Want to know the tea on savings? During your mortgage application, you'll be showing your ability to meet your monthly repayments. One of the best ways to do this is showing regular monthly savings. But here's the thing, these savings can include any rent that you currently pay. Search Bank of Ireland Mortgages for more stunning steps to make your mortgage journey smoother. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval is subject to the assessment of suitability and affordability. Property and life insurance are required. You mortgage your property to secure the loan. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank UC trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The First Time Buyer's Bible by Bank of Ireland. Demystifying the home buying journey through conversations with experts. Welcome back to another week at the First Time Buyers Bible. It's stunning to have you here. This week, I'm talking to an estate agent. I deal with estate agents all the time and I can't wait to give you some tips and tricks on this. I'm here with Brian McCarthy, a member of the Institute of Professional Auctioneer and Valuers. He is an estate agent slash auctioneer with 15 years experience in all areas. He's also a personal friend of mine, so I'm delighted to have him here. Brian, you're from Cork as well and we've known each other, it's, God, I'd say we were early 20s. Yeah, it's good that you pointed that out because we're both so accent neutral. Oh, to- listen, they'd never guess. <laughs> they would never guess. Back when we used to terrorise the streets yeah. of Cork, oh my God. As the most said to the trap, we won't get into that one. We will not. <laughs> so I'd love if you give the audience just an insight into who you are. Yes, originally from West Cork, a little place called Cora between Skibreen and Bantry. Um, I always had an interest and in, from an early age you know I, I took a buzz out of doing a deal so I guess the best the best sales to get into was property so I, mm. I had my mind made up from an early stage So if you were to describe in like really simple overview of the estate agent's role in the first time buyer's journey where are you coming in and coming out where are they talking to and how is the relate like what's the relationship journey Yeah well I guess the Irish model Almost 100% of the time we're working for the seller. Mm-hmm. Um, so the seller will engage us. The seller is our client. The seller is paying our fee. You know, we're, we're not engaged by the first time buyer. Uh, model might change, you know, in, <laughs> yeah. in the US, people use buyer's agents all the time. It's rare here and it's certainly rare with first time buyers. But we do have a duty of care to them. Something I take very seriously. They'll be sellers someday and it's important yeah. to give them a little bit of time. But with regard to the process, Usually people will send an email inquiry, they'll be contacted with an opportunity to view something. Open viewings work for some people. I like to, to let the people, you know, meet them at the front door, introduce myself and let them off. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to be pointing out the kitchen sink to them <laughs> yeah. or this is where the coach is or, you know, that's, that kind of grinds my gears. <laughs> Leave the people off and let them get a feel for it. And if they have any questions, come back to me. But yeah. estate agents that walk around with people is a pet peeve. Yeah, I think as well, like, I always say an estate agent is a matchmaker and they're working on behalf of one of the match, right? So the yeah. seller. And what they're trying to do is basically make sure that the person they're setting up with the seller has an opportunity to fall in love with the property or realize it's for them. And when you're not giving them space in the space, it's impossible. You know, you want people just to kind of find their flow through their future home. You know Exactly. And I mean, I've recommended and helped a lot of first time buyers in my time. I'm that age. A lot of my friends have asked for help and I've done a little bit of first time buyers coaching through the lockdown as well. Um, and the one thing I won't get involved in is the actual property. Yeah. I'll never <laughs> tell you, look at this, look at number five, the road in Dublin too. Mm-hmm. And don't look at number five, the road in Dublin eight. Like that is your decision. And that's something you have to fall in love with, the yeah. location, the layout of the property. When it comes to the coaching or helping people, it's more about the negotiation yeah. or the process or 
you know, where they go to next, bidding strategy, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They need to fall in love with the property themselves and, and they can't be coached on that. Exactly. So like they fall in love with the property, then they'll basically put their bid through you. But before that happens, this is a grey area, I think, for many first-time buyers. What should they be preparing before they go for every viewing? What are just the things that are just straight away they should have in their back pocket information? So, like, when people are starting the process, they should certainly familiarise themselves with the area. Mm. Um, The first thing I would say to people, uh, this should be an experience and a positive one. Like so many people get so stressed out about it. Yeah. And like I say, it's easy for you and me. Like we do these transactions all the time. Familiarize yourself with the area. Get there an hour early. Have a coffee somewhere. Walk around. You'll get a feel for it. Yeah. An agent genuinely won't have time on a Saturday morning to walk mm. you through all that. That's, that's and it's not their job. Saying. Like they're yeah, not there to, fair, to do that. And they're selling the house and not the area. The yeah. area is something you'll have to fall in love with yourself. But spend some time there. The, the other thing I would tell people in the early stages is, you know, don't be too rigid. Make a list, some negotiables, some non-negotiables uh, about area and price and bedrooms and stuff like that. And, like, use your search engine in that. If you really want to buy a tree bed, use your search engine and just put in tree beds and leave the areas broad and just yeah. see what else is around the place. Yeah. While you're doing your searching or looking through on an iPad of an evening, put in the price that's around your budget and don't put in any area and just see what else is around. There's some areas really close to each other where there's, where exactly. there's way better value. Or um, one street can literally be cut in half into two areas yeah. and you'll be surprised that there's a beautiful walk from one area to another. When we spoke to my home in their episode, they had like really strict data on how much it does actually go over the asking and I think like the 100k and hearing the things go 150k really scares first time buyers you know absolutely and rightfully so um, but I mean that that stuff is is priced badly and anyone who does any little bit of research will know that <laughs> yeah. so where would they do their research like if they want to like if I wanted to go and buy something on a street tomorrow how do I figure out like what sites just, do I just use your best friend Google really yeah um, and Go, go around it from that point of view. Mm-hmm. The search engines, My Home, as you've mentioned, mm-hmm. you'll get information on all of them. Yeah. My Home have their own version of the property register as well. You'll get an address and a sold price on the register. Yeah. You'll have to do a bit more digging to get the information. The property price register is there, but it doesn't give you bedrooms or square footage mm-hmm. or anything like that. The one thing I would say is always Google the address because ads and newspaper articles and stuff like that (laughs) hang around historically when something might be sold, but the articles and the ads could still be there. But I mean, take a spin past it. They can be identical to look at and you know that they're pretty similar. I would always advise people having a handle on that street and the prices in that street, like what the average kind of square footage is. I always tell people to stay away from apps that calculate a whole area because they can't calculate like for like a property. Yeah, or, or comparison websites lack a little bit of information. Some agents do use a per square foot rate and and calculate it down. Mm -hmm. It's certainly another tool to give you an idea. There shouldn't be a huge disparity. Yeah. Per square foot rates will differ with regard to condition. Of course. Um, And if it's a flat in the city centre, smaller and the price per square foot could be a bit higher. It's because of location. it, It is really important to do that research. So that is one thing you can ask the agent um, and I mean, I'd fail to lie to people. They'd see it all over my face anyway. <laughs> like if if someone says to me, and I know you'd do it, for instance, if you were buying an apartment off me in town, you'd just say, you know, what's your opinion on the price? Yeah. Or where does your opinion on the price lie? 
It's a great question. And I think like sometimes people have very, um, we'll get into negotiating and like building a rapport with an agent in a sec. But I think a lot of people are so nervous about asking the agent questions that they only ask them strategy questions. And it becomes so difficult. Warm, you've got to warm up to each other, the agent and the viewer. Absolutely. You know, and like once an agent doesn't think you're wasting their time or um, being smart about it. And mm-hmm. um, gener- they generally will engage with you. Yeah, they want to know that you're right for the property. I think a lot of people miss the point that like the agent's also trying to make sure that you're going to stay the process and you're not going to be flaky and that you really like the property and you're not going to go see something next Saturday and bid on that. They're trying to like get to know you. Shoehorning people into making an offer on something, it'll just come back and bite you because yeah. if young inexperienced couple come into me looking at a place and, and I drill them into making an offer their parents will join them next week to come back and look at it and the offer will end up being withdrawn. You know, it's just, it has to work for everybody involved as well. Yeah. And ultimately, my goal is to sell these, get a fair market price for my client and collect my commission. You know, Mm -hmm. ultimately, if I'm going to be ruthless about it, that's what I want to do. And, And the easiest way of carrying out that process is the best for me. And if that means educating my buyers a little bit, I'm absolutely prepared to do that. Yeah, it's a, it's a safer transaction. I think like if you think about the whole thing as a transaction, an agent wants to make sure that both sides are secure and they will answer questions. You know, like I always think once you know that you're getting on well with the agent, you can say, what do you think about the price of this? And they will say to you, oh, it's priced at 390 under our advice because they want to get best and final bids. So then you know it's going to be over the asking. If they say it's been on the market a while, like they went in over there with another agency before, you have a bit more of a feel for the price when you just go in and don't ask any of these questions you're just looking at a number yeah and and, and the other thing is is ask the agent their opinion you don't have to take it yeah, but you true. can ask it anyway <laughs> like where do you see it selling or you can ask a question like if I offer the asking price today can we wrap this up Monday morning will they accept it or like some people have a plan to trade up and once they get what they're asking they're gone they want to move on to their next transaction other people are only testing the water and they have six months to wait no matter how much they get offered. If you say to the agent at the first viewing, where's the vendor motivated here and are they trading up? If we were to get this done and wrapped up now, what would the figure have to be? Yeah, it's perfect. The more the agents know that you know, the more questions you ask, it just, it keeps the transaction moving quickly. Because if you bid and then you find out that, oh, actually they're in a chain, they need to sell before you can buy, it'll just slow everything down. And if that is the case, it's just about being aware. It's that your solicitor is aware. Yeah. It's that you can recommend to your professionals. You're aware that you're going to be paying rent for six months more. But like all those things can be can come into a negotiation. You can say, right, do you know what we'll do? We'll offer you 410 and we'll sit and wait until they've found something suitable and then we'll go through with the transaction. There's no pressure in them and they mm. can set the closing date. Yeah. Um, or you could make the offer 425, but we want to be in the house for Paddy's day. These things you can move with your offer to facilitate yourself yeah. or the buyer. We'll give you more money, but we want to be in there for Paddy's day. Or yeah. do you know what? We'll just offer you 410, but we're staying with our parents. It's not the end of the world and the 1st of June is fine. Yeah. You know. And they can start to negotiate then. When it comes to, so someone's bid on a property, I get asked this a lot, someone's bid on a property and the offer's been accepted. Let's say 400's been accepted and they bring out a surveyor and the surveyor shows that there's works to be done and works are a certain price. 
they need to go back to the agent and say it's now no longer worth what we thought when we bid it. How do you recommend the smoothest process for that? Because you don't want to have any bad blood when you're you want you still want the property, but you have realised it's not worth what you actually had bid at the time. It's a very valid point, and it's it's a question I get asked myself a lot. Transparency is really important in this situation, and people try to do it all the time. Oh, I'm just going to say this or that and try and get a reduction. If you're not doing that, you really don't want to come across as someone who's trying to play a game. Like it's, it's, it's start, it just gets murky from yeah. there on. And like yourself, I buy a lot of property as well and we have housing associations and stuff like that. It's something I try not to do. Like I'll negotiate really hard at negotiation time. But if you like you or I if we get a name for trying to get reductions never do it you'll just you'll get a bad name and it's not conducive to getting the deal done do some research in your surveyor discuss the surveyor with your agent no some people would think that agents and surveyors may be in cahoots and stuff like that it will never happen Mm -hmm. a surveyor has his own PI cover he has his own professional indemnity he has to defend his name so he's not going to do something for an agent but they recommend the ones that work well that are efficient that give a detailed report but if you have a surveyor that will go through the whole place you know they, they should be giving you in the region of 300 photographs and they say that look Wiring standards changed in 2016 and this is pre-2016 and it's going to cost three grand to bring up to standard. Absolutely fine. You have something, you have evidence-based information to go back to your client and say, look, are we going to have to solve the problem before we go back to market and find someone else to buy it? Yeah. Or are they making a mountain out of a molehill? Yeah, of course. So if we think we can go back to market and get the same money, we'll say, look, that's the way it is. You're buying it as you see it. Mm -hmm. Or if it's something like that to do with a building reg or, you know, drains or something, we're going to follow out with this person, have to carry out the work ourselves and go back to market to get the same price. Chat to your agent about it. Yeah, Yeah. have the conversation, keep the communication lines open and don't take the piss, basically. Yeah, and I think people know when you are taking the piss. Like, when I work on behalf of investors, when they want a lower bid, I have to say to them, do you just want a lower bid or do you have a reason for a lower bid? Because if they give me reasoning, I'm able to go back to the agent and say, listen, They've said that they need to put about 20 grand into this just to even bring it to the value of where they need it to be to be able to use the space or do what they need to do with the space. And then I'll say, give me three days, I'll back myself up on this 20 grand. I get all of my quotes, then I show them and then they're able to go back to the vendor and go, look. And they will they will say sometimes that's just cosmetic. You know, that's yeah. your, because someone else might buy this and not need to paint everything or do whatever. I'm talking like stuff that is like structural or things that just need to be done to make it livable, standards, etc. And if it makes sense, the agent does does not want to go back to market. <laughs> no, they don't. Like, we get paid once. We get paid when it closes. Yeah. This is extra work. Mm-hmm. So if you're not, as we say, taking the piss and it's genuine stuff that needs to be done, they'll work with you. But They I mean, always do. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, you have to give them something to work with. You have to give. If you want to renegotiate your price, you need to prove why. Like that's something that has to be And done. even to a point where the survey will come back and say, there's a list of stuff and it's going to cost an estimated 25 grand you go back to the agent and you say look we knew we were buying a house that was built in the 60s -hmm. we knew there was going to be something but our budget was more like 10 or 15 would you meet us in the middle somewhere you You know you're making an effort yeah Um, you know depending on what you're buying obviously you're buying a new house it's going to be snagged that's a whole different area but be real about it be realistic about it and the one thing in property transactions that I always tell people put yourself in the other person's shoes you know 
if you were selling those, what do you think would be acceptable and what isn't? Yeah. And if you think that they may not understand, back yourself up. Just have proof of what you think. When it comes to negotiating white goods in or you've seen something, a piece of furniture, or there's something in the property you'd like to include in your price or exclude, do you do that through your agent? Do yeah. they do it for you or do you have to have it at the very beginning of the offer? Again, like when I'm advising people, I always say don't sweat the small stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a story from early in my career, flat screen TVs were just a, a thing. <laughs> uh, and there was this massive flat screen TV in one of the living rooms of this house. Buyer thought he was getting it. Vendor wasn't giving it. The TV was worth maybe five or six grand at the time. Wow. And the whole thing went belly up. The landscape of the market changed and what was sold for 695 ended up being sold for 595 maybe. Oh wow, he should have just given the team. The 100 grand flat screen we caught was the joke in the office at the time. I'm not surprised. So like, <laughs> don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. A standard in Ireland and the standard your solicitor's contract will be carpets, curtains, fixtures and fittings. Mm-hmm. So stuff that's fixed, stuff that's integrated. My partner's parents bought a house recently and your man took the curtains and the curtain poles with him. We had someone take the light bulbs. Yeah. I was like, know, come on. Yeah. You have to be, I always say in property there's a lot of karma and you've got to be kind and every part you're the same like yeah. you have to be kind in every part of the journey and think about the next person coming in and coming out yeah so, don't like don't take stuff with you that's useless in another property yeah and um, I think you even if the person has bid less than what you wanted to give it away for like there is the standard like you say fixtures fitting curtains and carpets you just leave them as a standard yeah. you know and anything else then you kind of add in yeah and if there is something like that, that you'd like kept or it varies a lot People are trading up. People are immigrating. Everyone's situation is different. Some people will look for a figure for the full contents the way you saw it. Other people will just leave it as a gesture of goodwill. Yeah. But it depends how much they've put into, you know, when people are trading up and you're buying a three-bed semi, they might have bought starter furniture as well because that's what they could afford yeah. and have no interest in Taking paying it with for them. it to be disposed. On that note, when you buy something and you want to make sure that it's going to be the condition or with the stuff that you have negotiated in. For example, I do a lot of stuff where I just wanted empty, no furniture at all. I would always recommend people do a viewing the day of completion right beforehand. How do you yeah, it's, it's do it done, here? It's done less and less here. Um, but certainly I would recommend it. Yeah, like I can't believe people don't do it. Like I always say, I'm just going to nip in or I get the agent to nip in and take photographs. I feel it's less personal in that way. Absolutely. And like there is nightmare stories and they're more prevalent than I would like. Mm-hmm. Attic's still full of rubbish. Yes. Um, people just taking their personal belongings and gone. Yeah. yeah you want to make sure, um, do your due diligence on that. Even if you're a person who will look after everyone in your chain, you can't rely on everybody to be the same. Exactly. So you should always be making sure before you hand over that money that someone is taking a temperature check of the condition so that on the day like I've landed in where someone has I don't know where all the rubbish came from but the flat was just full of bags of rubbish and I just couldn't believe because we just hadn't checked so it's something I'd always recommend Absolutely I don't know how someone could hand, hand over a property know, without cleaning it like, Yeah you know what I mean? I've had uh, I've had night like actual nightmares it's just it's not good so I would just definitely check so they can just say to their agent can you tee up these appointments or yeah. get the agent to go in and take pictures or Exactly, yeah, exactly. A walkthrough before completion. On signing, I haven't really heard it, but Mm -hmm. before completion and then just jam on the brakes if it's not right. Okay, amazing. Let's talk about your type. People differ and so do mortgages. Some mortgages provide certainty when it comes to monthly repayments, while others can fluctuate up and down. Matching you to the right mortgage 
couldn't be easier. Search Bank of Ireland Mortgages for more stunning steps to make your mortgage journey smoother. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval is subject to the assessment of suitability and affordability. Property and life insurance are required. You mortgage your property to secure the loan. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank UC trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. What's the biggest mistake you see someone new to buying make that you would love to be able to resolve before they go into the process? Um, well, I would definitely say, uh, and and I'd like to think I didn't take advantage of it, but, you know, when a couple walk into a property and they fall in love with it before your eyes, mm-hmm. you've, got to, you've got to have a poker face to a certain degree because an agent whose ethics aren't up to scratch might yeah. read into that and just say, let's hold out here or whatever. You know, be subjective. Ask the questions. Yeah, don't and, let and your grow for a property not make you do your due diligence of questions. There's no problem expressing an interest and telling an agent, look, we really like this. We've got a couple of options and we've got some boxes to tick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Expressing an interest, no problem. But... You know, I, I've literally had, oh my God, I want to buy it. Like, and they're <laughs> halfway to the kitchen. That's me. I'm like, I'm always like, I love it. And then I can see the agent being like, this is going to be so easy. And then I always turn around and I'm yeah, like, yeah, that's a completely so tell different me, story. I will literally, because I, what I like them to be able to go back and say to the vendor is she loves the property because people like to hear that you love the property, but she needs to know all of these facts. And then I think you, because you can have that lovely little mix. But if you are just going room to room going, I love it. It's amazing. I can see this I can see that you can get taken advantage of by the wrong circumstances you know even the wrong vendor so I think you have to have your wise questions and your wise person inside you kind of saying don't forget to ask these things and you don't want to do it after the viewing because it looks like you've gone and asked somebody else you want to have your questions ready Uh, you want to have your questions ready and and there's no problem saying to an agent we like it Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a couple of options but we'd love to express an interest. Stuff like that is, is just being fair and honest. Yeah. A lot of agents at this point in Ireland will require approval in principle. Now, some people like to give a letter that they're approved in principle and don't want to show the figure. Again, I always expressed that it doesn't matter to me if you're approved for 500 grand and you're looking at a property for four. I'm not going to say, oh, I'll hold out here and I'll get five off because they're approved for it. Yeah. That's your business. Yeah. You can bid what you want to bid. And if 390 is your last bid and I've seen that you're approved for 500, it's it's nothing to do with me. It's property People dependent. Like yeah. Really protective of that thinking. Oh, if he sees we have 500, he's going to look for it. That's, that's not my business. And I, I have no control over it. And that. most agents won't do that because... Um, house is it's going to be valued by the mortgage broker mm-hmm. there's going to be people in the buyer's life who are going to say hang on a second you shouldn't have bid that high so most people don't want you to go into a crazy bid even if you have the mortgage for it so I would always be transparent just from the point of view of the agent's able to turn around and be like they didn't bid on that they don't want that property but I have something else and now I know they can go up to 500 I think this will be perfect for them so you've got to let them know what you what you can bid and the value of these things will be figured out and obviously bidding situations happen and we always get slack like oh you bought off Brian McCarthy how did you find him oh he wasn't great no like 
And what did he do wrong? I'll kill oh, him. Well, yeah. I'll kill him. <laughs> what did he do wrong? Oh, sure. It was on a 295 and it cost us 25 grand more. I'm really sorry, but that's my job. Yeah, um, you work like, for the seller. Yeah, so... Yeah. And the buyer needs to be aware of where it is market value and emotional value. You might walk in something and go, I wanted this and I wanted that beautiful plant in the back garden. And you might think that that's worth 10 grand to you. But that's why you have to be aware of your market yeah, value. The, the other buzz one is people always say, when they're about to make an offer we're thinking of making an offer now but I don't want to get into a bidding situation Yeah, and I'm like I'm really sorry but I do <laughs> I do want to get into a bidding situation yeah. because that's what I'm paid to do Yeah, rules are different Australia was different in Australia if you were given a, an offer in writing that was backed up by proof of funds for the asking price you were obliged to sell it to that person but that's not the law here what? yeah so if if I've advertised something it, it creates its own difficulty, but, but it does take bidding situations out of it. Mm-hmm. If you have an asking price, somebody like somebody comes along and offers you the asking price, the advertised price, and has given you the proof of funds to back it up, you're obliged to accept it. Wow! So everyone must be putting their properties on way over. The That's the thing. Then you, like you have a real struggle. Yeah, um, data would be to, all over the place to, to fix the price. Yeah. Because ultimately, what happens is you put it on over. And you'll get kind of five or six offers in the region somewhere and yeah. pick the best one. Yeah, um, that's like so you're, interesting. You're not obliged to take an offer under, but you're obliged to take an offer of the asking price or more. Wow, I'm actually so glad that doesn't exist yeah. here or the UK because it would make my job so difficult. So I always say that finding a property is quite like dating, right? I want to know what's out there and I want to go on a few dates and then when he walks in, I know it's the one for me, right? Okay. But it's only because I've had a bit of experience, shall yeah. we say. And I think the worst kind of case scenario is like you go on your first viewing and you think you found your dream home but you don't have something to compare it to. So I would say like getting out there and viewing things before you start the really hungry stage of your search. I suppose when you like when you compare it to dating, love at first sight does exist. It's just really rare. <laughs> That's so true. It is like, really rare. Yeah, you know what I mean? So you probably just have to go at the floor there and if you are nervous about it I'd probably disencourage you like wasting an agent's time but show up to an open go to a couple of opens that may not even be your thing or go to a new homes development that's open all day Saturday and great tip great tip ask the questions yeah no problem as I say try not to waste someone's time but uh, inform yourself you don't have to be like shady about it pretending that oh I'm really interested in this and I have my like you can just go to these open ones where someone is there anyway seeing a lot of people and you can get into the swing of asking questions yeah and you can often strike up a conversation with an agent like I say at a show house uh, for a new development they might be busy they might not be busy but just say look this probably doesn't suit us but we're just trying to get a feel for it and we're first time buyers and we're not we're not sure and we want to try it out yeah and like no one's going to hunt you out the door I no promise you and that. a great agent will be like noted you're going to be on the market in a few weeks you could end up being a buyer for one of my other properties exactly and that's what they usually people when they hear that you are going to be active or you are active on the market they want you on their black book so the more people you tell the better because they will think of you yeah a big part of this like the saying goes if you can be anything be sound and if you're sound yeah. people will help you out like. that is such a cork thing as well <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you will always sound people will gravitate towards you yeah yeah you will meet bad agents, bad solicitors, bad surveyors, you will meet them. But if you're 
aim is to have a smooth and comfortable process with it you will attract that towards you I know that sounds like very yeah yeah you know but it is something like you'll you'll spot the sound in other people if you go in thinking that you're going to have to be really sneaky and you're going to have to play all these games you'll end up having to play the games exactly. if you go in thinking I'm going to be transparent I'll be wise I'll ask the right, right questions things that make me feel comfortable you will end up inviting that into the process there's also something that you say that I love and I think it's such good advice when you're negotiating a lot of times people will be like I'll add another five I'll add I'll make it a zero what's your advice on when you're you've put in your first bid and you've been asked to come up yeah so you put in your first bid and somebody beats it like people have to realize that when you're at this point it is a game and your motive is to defeat the other players, however many of them are there. Sometimes it's one, unfortunately, at other times it could be three or four people involved in the bidding process. You can stand back and wait till it's two, but a strong agent won't allow you to do that Mm -hmm. in light of fairness. Like, I've had situations where there's four people bidding on a house and someone will say to me, oh, come back to me when you're down to one. I find that unfair Mm -hmm. and I will go... Person one gives me an offer. Person two gives me an offer. Person three gives me an offer. And if person four says that to me, I'll say, this is your opportunity. And yeah. to remain in the process, you need to give me an offer now. Yeah, you're in or you're out, babe. Yeah, yeah. Come on. If, you, if you're not interested, I'll go back to person one. But I'm not coming back to you when person one has yeah. defeated everybody else. Yeah. That's the first thing I'd say. The second thing, I'm giving away all my secrets here now. Give them trust. We love a secret. <laughs> the second thing I would say is, it's just simple mind games, but don't ever, ever end your offer with a zero or a five. Like, I don't think people realise how valuable that is, this information. It sounds because crazy, but it's it works. If you're thinking... Uh, 400 and you go 402 you've just knocked out the person whose budget is 400 Mm -hmm. but if you only match their budget they might go oh we'll go one more and then your cost to defeat that again people will think this is agent speak but it really really isn't I feel really strongly about this like you're in a four way bidding situation don't increase a bid by a thousand euro like, no, and the yeah. 500s and the thousands. 500s, do it well. you might lose connection to yeah. me on the phone if you try and bid 500. <laughs> um, like, it just doesn't work. And, and like, people would say, oh, you're only trying to increase your my commission on a thousand euros. The Go commission on, on a thousand is not exactly, it's not um, enough. Yeah. You're in a four way bidding situation and someone has bid 400. My advice that the minimum bid you should be giving them next is 406. Mm-hmm. Um, that will knock out people at 405 and someone will probably have to go 410 to defeat you. Yeah. If you've looked at 10 houses in this area and this is the one you're really going for and the bid is 400 and you know it's worth 420, go 416, knock them all out, be aggressive. And it's not about, like when you get your dream property and your offer is accepted, as I say, enjoy the process. Don't make it stressful where it's not need to be. Mm. So someone goes 400 and you go, this is probably going to make 420 Let's go four sixteen. Yeah, and you get it because everyone else goes. Ooh, we better move on out of this one. That mm-hmm. person's really aggressive. They're serious. Yeah. Um, don't say, oh, maybe we'd have got it for four ten. It doesn't work like that. If you want you it, know and you know roughly. it's four, yeah, you know it's four twenty. And I think as well, a lot of times when I'm at work, I I can see the power of an uneven bid because a lot of people think you're at your max then you know it's kind of like because it's a weird it's a three or a six or you know a seven or whatever Uh, the other thing I'd always say uh, is and and again it wouldn't affect us because you like we'll have a cut off but if you've seen your dream home and you're you're close to your budget just say your budget is again 420 Mm -hmm. your last bid to my mind should be like 422 yeah you'll find two grand somewhere yeah 
Like yeah. at the end of the day, in the process, the three months, banging on a credit card, do whatever. Yeah. Two grand. Don't lose out in your dream home over two grand. Mm-hmm. But again, if you lose out, it'll be five grand. That's a lot. Yeah. And but you like, know that you weren't going to do that anyway. There's nothing more devastating for people who pull out at 420 and it's bought for 420. Yeah. That's kind of hard to take. Yeah. So don't let that happen to you. Yeah. You know, as I say, and I, I'm not being flippant about it, money is hard to come by, but you will, from the time you agree it, you'll have three more paychecks, you know, like yeah. you'll find two grand somewhere. Yeah. And you'll be, you'll often find that it's those small little bids. People think that they have to kind of blindly go in with no strategy and, oh my God, I'm after putting more in and more in. Have those written down I often when I'm negotiating have three figures on my page and I have them written big medium and tiny and I don't ever want to read the tiny one when I'm speaking to the agent but I know it's there and I don't go over that but it lets me it kind of keeps your pace you know in the negotiation I'd actually love to try and sell you something just to see get on Brian you and me it would be so good I'd love to see us negotiating I wonder who'd win I feel like Uh, I'd win yeah I feel like you'd win as well probably (laughs) but I think it would be the nicest process because I know that it would be fair and I love a negotiation when it's a fair negotiation and I think a great negotiator knows their limit if you're a first time buyer who knows their limit knows the market knows when you're getting into emotional money yeah and and there's other sides to it as well like make yourself attractive to the vendor Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a little bit more difficult for first time buyers to do it do the research on the solicitors do the research on the surveyors have a discussion with them get a price off them and have them teed up and then, like, when the right property comes along, if you're saying to an agent, my solicitor's ready to go, I've teed them up. Mm. They told me they'll be contactable at any stage, which is probably not true, but anyway, they told me that. <laughs> and the surveyor is ready to go. Like, if we are selected or if our offer is accepted, we're hitting the ground running. Yeah. We're not panicking then going, oh, I need a solicitor, do I? Yeah, or the one I want is off or... yeah. 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 Um, and those things are attractive as well. Again, you don't know the vendor's motives or where they're going next. But like some of that stuff can be attractive and, yeah. you know, our approval in principle is here. Um, we're ready to act. We have all our documentation ready. Yeah. It's like saying, again, on a date, I'm ready for a relationship. You know, I, I am ready. to say something else there. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be for the surveyor. Um, but I think it's like you're going in and the first thing you want to know is timeline with the vendor. But being able to say like, we have our solicitor, we have our surveyor, everyone's pretty much ready to go and they're aware that we're in this process. It really helps just being that transparent. You know, you don't have to keep all your cards from the agent. You can keep some of the negotiation bits back. But I think you need to let them know who you are as a buyer. Yeah, You're exactly. ready, you know, you're reliable and you're ready. And uh, we've done a research. We've looked at a good few places. This is the one we really want. Mm-hmm. We're not flippant about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there's something the vendor really needs, talk to us and we'll we'll see if we can demand their way or whatever. Yeah, it's so helpful. So if you had friends going into the first time buyer process now, from an emotional almost point of view and a practical point of view, what would be your top three pieces of advice for them? My top three pieces of advice, there's probably more than three, but um, as I said at the start, treat it as an enjoyable process. Try and take the stress out of it. Have fun. You know, do your research over a glass of wine in the evening time and do it bit by bit. Also, as I said at the start, first things first, have your mortgage in place, be ready to go. Take advice from professionals would be another thing I'd really advise people. Mm -hmm. Um, just to give yourself a broad idea, like talk to your buddy on the football team that's a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician 
and you walk into a house um, that has 1980s wiring and obviously you're not going to be able to put a price on it yeah. but your buddy the electrician will be able to tell you that'll be 8 to 15 or yeah. 12 to 15 grand probably a full rewire you probably want to be allowing X mm-hmm. um, if you've seen something in someone's house like a nice bay window seat like how much does that cost to do yeah. get an idea of the stuff that you want to hold back uh, or the few bob that you want to have to be able to do the place your own specification talk to people the other piece of advice I tell people have an open mind again we spoke about the numbers if your location is non-negotiable that's fine but but look across the location yeah unfortunately people's budget is their budget just go back to my home again put in your budget only and see what pops up Mm-hmm. there's some lovely areas you might have no familiarity with that you could have a look and, and who knows yeah I, um, I don't think people realise that like sometimes there's these neighbourhoods you walk down the street and you're like oh my god it's like this yeah I always like I always use Ashton in, in Dublin as an example people would like to live in Castleknock or the Phoenix Park race course to have proximity to Phoenix Park to be able to go mm-hmm. and walk their dog or mm-hmm. you know all the amenities you go across Ashton which is kind of a new development and there's a lot of development there but if it's a starter home and something you intend to trade up out of after a while like the prices of no comparison there mm-hmm. uh, and you have an extra four minutes you're still in the park there you go I think people need to explore a bit more because we often hear of friends buying in certain areas and we just think of that area but people who are very clever in property will go like four or five streets over exactly mm-hmm. exactly and like the difference between anything between a two bed apartment or a three bed semi from Castanoc to, to Ashton other people at Castanoc mightn't be too happy with me saying that but <laughs> it's just an example and <laughs> um, you know there isn't that much of a difference the train goes through Ashton and the same amenities are available to you yeah it's the same in London you know you just go a little bit over so our stunning listeners have learned the next stage in the process but I love if people would have an overview before they actually dip into it if you were to summarise the process of buying a property what would it be? from start to finish the way I see it as we said earlier first things first mortgage Approval in principle, um, there is some companies out there giving the approval lighter than others. Mm -hmm. Try and have approval from at least one Mm -hmm. that demands that you put in your information and that you submit it because they're, they're stronger approvals. So approval in principle, then it's research time, view plenty, negotiate, sale agree, next up is your surveyor, booking deposit. A booking deposit, some people often come to me and they go, we're not sure and we want to wait for the surveyor. A booking deposit is fully refundable in okay, this country. Okay, amazing. Yeah. Um, you put down a deposit. To be honest with you, it was put there so the agent would get paid. The agent holds the booking deposit in their client account and when the sale completes, they remove their fee and forward a balance to, your, to the vendor solicitor. Okay. That's all it's there for. It's fully refundable until you sign a contract. Mm-hmm. You're subject to a 10% deposit, which is a different thing at concept contract signing stage mm-hmm. so it will be 10% minus your booking deposit mm-hmm. uh, and, and what's then a booking you are, deposit usually around b- booking deposits are usually around figure between 5 and 10 depending mm-hmm. on your purchase price you'd probably be going over a million before you'd be asked for any more than 10 okay great so like what someone could expect really is like they've had their offer accepted and then there's like your holding fee like when you do a rental that would probably be between 5 and 10k and then that comes off your 10% that you pay exactly it comes off the 10% and it's usually what auctioneers fee will range from I'd love to say range from 1 to 2% I do believe there's people out there doing it for less but we won't even talk about them (laughs) Um, and so it won't be more than 2% 
plus VAT of this because it's it's just there to pay the agent's fee really yeah and the uh, agent and is it, paid by the vendor by the, the vendor the buyer's not paying that yeah. so it's just kind of covering when you think when of the that, concept yeah, yeah. of it when yeah. that money becomes belong to the vendor they yeah. pay the agent out of it yeah that's what it is and it is fully refundable until the point you put pen to paper stunning your uh, lending institution will then ask you to carry out a valuation mm-hmm. recommended panel of valuers someone comes out you have to pay them uh, a very nominal fee of about 150 quid mm-hmm. they'll value it and they will submit that to your lender directly the conveyance process starts then just make sure your solicitor is contactable and that they keep the lines of communication open yeah um, and ask no- questions like what? when should I next expect to hear from you Th- those kind of things are really vital at the solicitor yeah once the conveyance is complete and your solicitor is happy you'll be asked to sign a contract at which point you will be subject to the 10% lesser booking fee we spoke about. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we also spoke about earlier, and people don't do uh, some little nightmares there, do a final walkthrough. Yeah. If you're to close on the 10th of November, do a walkthrough on the 7th. Make sure there's nothing in the attic. Make sure what you've asked to be left there is left there and what isn't, isn't. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's despicable when people don't clean a place before they leave it as well. It doesn't always happen. So yeah, it's rare. Look, even if even if you have to tell the agent to put a cleaner in before you get the keys and you have to pay for it, I'd say, well, That's good. a great tip because you can actually just get an end of tenancy clean. An agent yeah. always knows a good cleaning company because there'll be rentals and things like that. And you can have it clean for the day you come in. You just pay for it. You like this? I, I, I would think there's nothing worse in the world than your the day you get your keys, you're all excited, but champagne under your arm and you open the door and you're disappointed. I used to clean and prep properties for sale and for rental and like there is nothing worse you buy you get in and you're cleaning someone's food out of the oven you're clearing someone else's drain like get all of that. Yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know it's it's a negative start and nobody wants that. You've worked hard enough to get here so enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah exactly. And uh, I get that as a moving in present from somebody. Yeah yeah and once you've walked through done completion will take place and pop the champagne. Love it. We'll end on that. And thank you so much no again worries. for coming in. It was no just worries. so nice to have you. And yeah. I think you've given people a nice confidence for this stage in the journey. Let's talk approval and principle. Finding your dream home takes time. And that's where mortgage pre-approval comes in handy. For your approval and principle, simply have a lender assess your creditworthiness and give you an estimated amount. With Bank of Ireland you get 12 months approval in principle, giving you more time to get it right. Search Bank of Ireland Mortgages for more stunning steps to make your mortgage journey smoother. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval is subject to the assessment of suitability and affordability. Property and life insurance are required. You mortgage your property to secure the loan. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank UC trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.